Hey, everybody, and welcome to a bonus episode of the podcast. We are talking to Jason Wyman. Jason, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. Now, it's funny, as I talk to people, and I did a whole series, uh, my JavaScript story, my Ruby story, my Angular story, and it seems like a lot of folks got into programming early, but a lot of them got into programming because they were playing video games and wanted to build one. And I was like, well, dang, you know, I know a guy and he, he teaches people how to do this stuff. And so I thought I'd bring you on and we'd have a conversation about how to get started with that. Also, just as a personal note, my son, he's going to be 15 in December and I just started a YouTube channel and we're going to start recording playing video games on there. And I thought it would be fun to sit down with him and go, okay, well, what if we built our own thing, right? And so that's another angle that I'm looking at here because anyway, it just sounds like fun. So do do you want to just explain a little bit of your background with game development and help people understand, yeah, what your expertise is? And then we can dive into actually how to get started doing a video game. Yeah. So I I think that your introduction there was interesting because that's kind of what led me to get into game programming was wanting to make games. Literally, I had three games on my Commodore 64 and I wanted more games. And I couldn't afford any because I was a little kid back in like whatever it was, the 80s <laughs> or 90s. I don't remember Ooh. trying to play video games. Old dude. I, what's that? You're an old dude like me. Yeah, yeah, I know. <laughs> it's uh, it's starting to show, but it's that was really the driving force for me. I wanted to have my own games. I really just wanted to have more things to play. So I would copy games out of magazines at first kind of like the first step back in the old days, they would literally print the code for the game in the magazine. There were crappy little games like, you know, basically your your Google dinosaur type thing was like the most advanced thing you're going to get, probably more mm-hmm. advanced than what you were going to get. But it was still a lot of fun because it was, you know, my fourth and fifth game. And then I got into this game maker program that came out for the Commodore where you could kind of like build your own game <laughs> visually. It was yeah. really fun. I, you could do a little thing with some sprites. I think you could go up to like four or eight colors then. So it was super amazing. <laughs> nice. It was cool stuff, but that that kind of drove me to want to learn how to code. So I started learning a little bit of Visual Basic and fell out of it for a long, long time. I started playing a lot of games like most of us do all the way up through my teens. And then early 20s, late teens, started lightly getting back into programming just a little bit to make little tools and hacks and cheats and scripts for myself to do simple little things. And then um, from there, I started to realize that I liked it. I got a degree in electrical engineering and realized I didn't like it. It was not very (laughs) interesting. I hated soldering. I didn't really like working on circuit stuff. And like to do anything interesting was going to take a lot of time. And it wasn't actually interesting like I thought it was. I thought I wanted to make processors like GPUs. And I realized Uh like, no, I like playing video games on them and making games. But like looking at processors doesn't interest me at all. So I was like, okay. Anyway, that, then I just started diving into it and started slowly kind of mostly just kind of learning on my own through books and resources that were out there. There wasn't a lot of information online. So it was a lot of books, practice and talking to people, going to groups. And then slowly stuff became more and more available online too and got into the industry, got a job in the game industry, worked on some AAA games for quite a while. And then left that after seven or eight years to go work on mobile stuff, made a couple mobile games and then made a bunch of VR games in VR studio. And I just teach people how to make games and make my own stuff. It's a lot of fun. Right. That's awesome. Yep. 
I, I would just imagine, okay, I've got to test this this game I built for hours. <laughs> right? that, that part's not as much fun. And I, you know, when oh, really? the whole story, I left a little part off too, because I also did uh, quite a bit of enterprise development too, just like uh, probably a lot of the listeners here. I did about a year at Intel and a couple years at Qualcomm doing just straight up enterprise tool development, uh, stuff for our hardware there. And just kind of going back and forth because every now and then I get into game stuff and I get so hardcore, so hardcore and then the game to be done and kind of like get burned out. And I'm like, oh, I'm going to try something else. <laughs> like mm-hmm. I'm going to try, I'm going to go try enterprise stuff again. Cause my first dive into software was at Intel and enterprise and went back and it's, it's fun to do enterprise projects and it's fun to get them out. But the, once you, I think once you start doing game development and you really get into it, like the allure was too strong to to stay away for very long. It just kind of pulls you right back in because yeah, you get that excitement of I made a game and now I can show all these people. I can try it out. And, you know, it's fun too. like, you know, I, I can, the best part is I can show my wife and kids mm-hmm. things that I did. And every now and then they're like, this is actually fun and cool. Not always, not most of the time, but every now and then <laughs> get into it, you know, and that's, that never happens when I show them like, Hey, here's my, cool to test our, our blade server system. <laughs> Look at this. They all pass. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Uh, okay. <laughs> oh man, that takes me way back. I worked in IT in when I was going to the university and yeah, we had blade servers and VMware running on them and oh, the good old days. And I graduated with, yeah. And you're my people. Cause I graduated from the electrical engineering department. It was a computer engineering degree. But it was, yeah, it was all focused on, yeah, building and designing chips and stuff like that. So, yeah, I had one software course and we basically learned how to use DOS. I was like, okay, this is, yeah. this is not right. <laughs> well, we did, we did microprocessor programming too. That's a lie. Yeah. The only we one we on did a bunch of programming. <laughs> yeah. Good deal. So, uh, let's talk a little bit about what it takes to build a game because I'm sure there are some people sitting here kind of going, okay. Well, it doesn't sound horrible. Or maybe they're thinking that they have to have like this giant team to build like Skyrim or something. I don't know. How approachable is this these days? It's changed a lot. I'd say in the last maybe 10 years when I started out, I mean, I started and gave up multiple times because it was hard. There wasn't a lot of info and and to kind of be relatively good at C++ and understand one of the only, op- there were like a couple open source game uh-huh. engines that were kind of loosely supported. But now the two biggest engines, Unreal and Unity, are both free and available to everybody. And there's an insane amount of information out there and tutorials out there. And they have giant teams to help people learn this stuff too. So they're, they're really focused on making it easy. But it's at the point now where, I, I mean, I teach fifth graders how to make games and they get it they can tell me the next step they can figure out how to continue on and go through and and build their own stuff and extend them it's not complicated at all and if you can do web development if you can do enterprise stuff then there's no reason you can't do the game stuff you don't have to do any of the things that used to be considered hard like figuring out how to make this render on this gpu and why does this thing not look right or how do i get these objects to to call out and all this Mm -hmm. stuff all of the the hard common stuff that's done, it, it's already done. It's just like having a, a web server. You don't have to go in and write the web server to handle the, the requests, you know, write the actual code that's handling the network messages and reading the sockets and all that. That stuff's already there for you. You don't have to write a lot of the, the framework codes there for you, right? You're using Angular yeah. or React or something. Using Game Engine is a lot like that. It's giving you the 
all of the high level or all of the, the low level components and a high level abstraction on top of them. But the performance isn't a, an issue. So it's, it's not a thing that you have. It's not like it's a, another layer on top. It's actually compiling down to something that's fast and efficient. So I don't know if that came across the right way, but essentially it's easy. It's, I would say it's easier than a lot of web development, especially to get started. You can get up and going with a, a game that works in maybe 10 minutes after, the, after you install the engine and get things going. You can have working functionality in just a couple minutes, have things moving around on your screen and interacting and build an entire game. And you, know, the, you can build your first game in a day easy. Wow, that's amazing. And that that's exciting for me, right? Because that was what got me into web development in the first place. I mean, I was on track to go work for an Intel or, you know, somebody that made chips and crap like that. Got into software kind of my senior year in college. And that's what it was, right? I could spin something up in a day or two, and then off we went, right? And then my first full-time job ran into Ruby on Rails, and it was like, oh, look at this. I can get stuff out even faster right? And I can see it right away. And it all kind of hangs together in a way that makes sense. And I don't have to worry about the insanity of, oh, did I get my SQL put together correctly and blah, 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 right? And so it sounds like it's kind of the same thing these days with game development. Very much so. Yeah. I mean, to get started, get prototyping a game up, it's just drag things in and write a little bit of code. And the code that you write is actually really simple. It's just C sharp, so you don't have to learn anything new. If you're familiar with C-sharp or JavaScript, they're very, very similar. It used to support JavaScript variant, by the way, which it doesn't anymore. Now it's just all C-sharp, but mm-hmm. it's not hard to learn. And the um, the built-in stuff is pretty simple to, to get started with. There's essentially one base class that you'll use for all of your game object components. And these are the things that'll go on stuff in, in your game. Maybe we'll talk about this a little bit later. But there's this one class that you'll use, this mono behavior based class, and it essentially gives you callbacks and access to a lot of the ty- all of the different types of things that you would care about happening in your game, like a collision happening or wanting to know when an, when a frame has rendered and reading input, mm-hmm. like giving you a place to do that, or when an object is turned on or off. There's just a callback method, essentially like an override method that you could use, except without the override keyword, unfortunately. <laughs> right. But, no, that makes a lot of sense. And that's generally how front-end development works anyway these days is you have, for example, in React, you know, you have your React component and it sounds like it's similar here. You know, you just inherit from your whatever that base object is. And then, yeah, you know, you you have events occur and they kind of cascade through your React hooks, right? And then you react to whatever's going on. So instead of reacting to a click, it's reacting to a collision or, you know, some other event that occurs around the object, right? Right. Yeah. And it's very much like that. And those are primarily for the built-in events. This is all the physics right. stuff, all of the Unity-related things, the core things around it. All of your other stuff may or may not, you can you know call it however you want. It's just standard C-sharp. So you can have references to your objects and hook it up in whatever way you want to do. And it totally varies just pretty much based on programmer preference and, and team preferences. So. Yeah, it makes sense. All right. So let's say that I decide, all right, I want to build a game. First of all, is there much difference building a game for mobile versus desktop? Not really. No. So when you start off, I would recommend building it primarily thinking about the desktop, but then you can easily morph into building for mobile. The only real difference is handling input, but the primary Mm -hmm. input stuff that you use will just work on mobile. So you don't really have to do much to change it. 
you don't have a mouse. So the only real change is if you're reading from a mouse, you have to read from the input touches, just just yeah. like you would in uh, any mobile development. Outside of that, though, no, your code's going to be the same. Uh, your only other thing to think about is really the performance characteristics. If you want to run on older, slower mobile devices or something, then you need to be you know cognizant of the performance characteristics and make sure that you don't go overboard and that you actually test and profile on those devices. But outside of that, there aren't really any restrictions. There are a couple things like super high-end rendering things that won't work on some mobile devices and stuff. But in mm-hmm. general, you build a game and you can deploy it out to iOS, to Android, to a Mac, to Linux, to Windows. If you have the license and dev kits to the different consoles, you know, all, all three of the, the major consoles, I don't know if they still had it, but it used to be like BlackBerry and Tizen. It, it were like 20 <laughs> platforms that it would go out to. I don't know if they've killed off some of the ones that are starting to die off, but uh, Windows Mobile was one of them for the longest time. May still be HoloLens. All of the VR devices are, are targets. You can build out to just about anything with most of them, no changes. Some of them, minor changes that are like hardware-specific things that you need to just implement or you know be aware of. Yeah, but most people who are used to sort of the, what, React Native, Ionic, you know, some of the cross-platform stuff that you can do with JavaScript, you kind of have to do that anyway. And so, yeah, it's just a feature of being cross-platform. Yeah, some of the platforms are going to want something a little different, but 99% of your code is going to be the same, right? Yeah, and I would say for a lot of games, like if your game is just touching and tapping and it's not even, no dragging, Zero uh-huh. code change. You just deploy straight out right. to mobile. Uh, you want to build Flappy Bird, you can build it out to every platform without changing the code you, you, a line anywhere, I don't think. Maybe nice. not to a watch, but <laughs> everything else. So are there different types of games you can build? Because that's the other thing that I see is like, you have sort of the world roaming games like Zelda or Skyrim, and then you've got sort of the platform games. You've got games where you literally are just moving your character around the map. You know, so you're you're tapping on a map instead of sort of walking through the world. You've got side scroll games. You can do all of these with Unity. Yes. So Unity used to be primarily, I would say, 3D. They had some 2D stuff that people didn't really like. And then maybe three, four years ago, they redid their entire 2D system and made it kind of a first class citizen there too. I don't remember the exact timeline, but somewhere around there, they they redid the 2D pipeline too. So there's an entire 2D system and a 3D system. Mm-hmm. They they do work together, so you can have 2D and 3D stuff together. You just won't have 2D and 3D objects collide, essentially. So the physics systems of them won't collide, but everything else works together. So you can do 2D games, you can do 3D games, you can do a game that's 2D on one part and then randomly switches and dissolves into 3D or twists and goes into a 3D game. Uh, there's really no limitation on it. It's essentially just deciding whether you're drawing out a 2D sprite or a 2D object, which is really just like you take an object out, you attach a sprite to it, and then attach some scripts to it. And that's your your 2D object, like your bird or whatever thing that's moving around. Mm-hmm. Or you put in a 3D character, you take a 3D model, you drop them into the world, and you go into 3D mode. Now, there's a little checkbox in Unity up in the top. It doesn't look like a checkbox. It's one of the most confusing things. It says 2D, switches your view between 2D and 3D. That's the only difference really between going like 2D and 3D mode other than your camera settings for how you want to show it to the player, which you can change at runtime if you want. So yeah, you can build pretty much, uh, there's no kind of game that you can't build in Unity. I would say that Unity is 
probably the most versatile engine for doing that so that you can build just about anything. You can also build non-game apps too, by the way. Like I've built quite a few I was gonna ask about that. non-game things in Unity because it does there's there's really no difference. It, the the game part is just the the way that the objects interact and the you know the AI of our our interactions and our mechanics and I guess the whole flow, but it can just be an app too. We can run business apps or productivity apps, all kinds of cool things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. So it just models the real world in some way and then gives yeah. you an interactive interface. Or we can even have just standard little scrolly interfaces with buttons and stuff to control mm-hmm. devices and then deploy it out to all of our devices and a WebGL platform without making any code changes. Just have a, a single build that we just push out. If it's just a little app that's making some requests to the internet to, to toggle some things or to send some stuff out, mm-hmm. super simple to do it multi-platform and have it just work everywhere and even add some flashy visuals if we want to. Nice. So let's say that I'm like, all right, this sounds super approachable. This is something I want to do. How do I get set up? The first step is really just to install Unity, to go download it and check it out. I have a tutorial that I released that takes people through the entire process of downloading it, installing it, and building out their first game. But there are also, of course, hundreds or thousands of tutorials out there. Unity has some official ones. I I prefer mine, of course, but that's just... that's me. (laughs) But there's a lot of information out there. What I would recommend, though, is go through at least one tutorial, but I would go through three to five different ones. Build out those games and see what they're like. And don't build out the same game three times. Build out like three or five different little games that are tutorials. Don't try a tutorial that's like go build Skyrim or go build your first MMO. Little mini games. Pick things that you think like, that game seems way too simple. That that seems stupid and way too simple. Go with that one and then pick you know a simpler one than that even. And just keep simplifying and build a couple of these really simple games in tutorials that you can find. And then start, I use that as kind of a basis. Figure out which ones work for you, what kind of process works, what learning style works and whose tutorials work. I would definitely try tutorials from multiple people, see whose work out well for you. And then try repeating that process afterwards. So after you go through some tutorials, maybe for a month or two, try doing the process on your own, go through and try building out some super mini games. Like, you know, the first one is Flappy Bird. Can you build Flappy Bird on your own? No assistance, you know, and then build up from that, like super simple ones. Because the Flappy Bird, it, it may not sound like it's super simple to everybody, but it's the one that I can teach to fifth graders in like a half hour. It's it's a one one mechanic, you, you jump. Right. right. Yeah, that, that's kind of the, the process that I would go through. Go through tutorials. Like I said, I'd recommend mine first, but no, go through whoever's and build a couple things because you can do it quick. You'll see progress and you'll have things that you can show your friends and family the first day. You'll be like, hey, look, I built this and you can build their game and then just swap out the art. You know, you can drop in, you know, your kid's yeah. face as the the angry bird or whatever. <laughs> whatever <you laughs> mean. Just It's just the it's just an image. You just replace them. So My, my kids would love that. <laughs> just destroying the piggies with, you know, the 15 year old or the five year old. Yep. Um, <laughs> I've had them where I let the kids have themselves pop up at the end as like their face pops up as the windscreen or did a, uh, a little memory game where it flipped over and it was pictures of the kids. They really loved that. They want to play oh, yeah. that. So they click on the ones of their pictures. Yeah. Oh man. My five year old in particular would love that. <laughs> Very cool. So it sounds pretty accessible. Yeah. Are there any gotchas to learning this stuff or? If you follow the tutorials, I guess it's pretty just straightforward. 
it is relatively straightforward, but if you're coming at it from a um, software developer perspective, there are probably, there are some things to watch out for. And I actually did a video about it a couple of years ago on like a top mistakes that people make, because it's something that I saw a lot of my friends do. Cause like I said, I, I did a lot of enterprise work. I used to have a lot of friends in enterprise stuff. And a lot of them want to do some game development. Usually it's like side project or something or something for their work that they want to bring in, like some thing where they think that the visualization there of using Unity is going to make projects successful. Some of the biggest mistakes that they'll make are really around trying to bring in their enterprise patterns and force them in sometimes where they don't fit. And it's especially true with web patterns because when you're working in the web environment, you're very used to this you know, you have a single request and there are maybe thousands or millions of these requests coming in at a time. And you're just thinking in the context of this one thing, it's going to scale up and scale out. And that's it. And like, you're just in that that mindset of like, this is how, how things work and how everything works. And when you're in the game context, completely different because you don't just have that one thing. You have all these things going on, but you also have a sandbox where you're locked in and you're the only thing running. Like in a normal situation, your game is the only thing running. and you have to account for that, not just account for like it's going to scale up and go out. And there are a bunch of weird things that kind of come into play with that. But just, I guess, having that mindset and remembering that you're not building a web app and not trying to shove things in is a really big thing. And like one of the biggest things, so just I don't want to go off on a tangent here, but like one of the biggest things is dependency injection. So when I did a lot of web development and enterprise stuff, dependency injection is obviously super important. It's pretty much required to do good development there. But when you try to just bring in the exact same practices into Unity, if you don't really think it through, like some of that injection, it doesn't really make sense because you're doing this in saving off your levels. You're building out these objects and these levels. And it's very similar. The, the analogy is more like an XML dependency injection type system that's already happening for you. But people don't think about it that way. They think about it in the code term and they want to start bringing in other injection and fighting against all the stuff, all the tools that are already there to help them. And there's a lot of that. Just do, try not to fight against the tools that are there. And also make sure that before you try to build something, you understand and know that it's not already built into the engine. I've seen so many people try to build a feature. that's already a function in there. That's a component that already exists or an option that they just didn't know they could turn on. And they just go through and start writing all this code. And they're writing for days and days and asking me questions like, what is it you're trying to accomplish? And then you know, go find the solution already is built in. Nice. So I'm also curious then, like what kinds of games have you built? What kinds of games have your students built? Sure. So the coolest things that I built were definitely the MMOs that I worked on. I think the f- biggest one was EverQuest 2, which had millions of players. And that was a lot of fun. I wouldn't say I built it, but I got to work on it and I got to build features and functionality into it. I got to join the team way after that game had launched, but it was a lot of fun. Outside of that, though, my second favorite thing that I've ever built, which was kind, it might sound kind of stupid and kind of weird because it was really tiny, was a little game that was intended to be a tutorial. I was trying to build, it was when VR headsets first kind of came out and the mm-hmm. HTC Vive came out. And it was the first one that had a handheld controller and positional tracking. And I, got, I was really into it. I was excited. And they'd sent me a free one for going to this event to do development on. So I was like, all right, I'm going to make a tutorial on this how to make a game in vr and i'm like i don't know what to make it's like well swinging this thing around is kind of like a bat meal. i'll just make a, a little baseball batting game or something so i spent like a weekend just building this thing up trying to figure out like the tutorial of how do you swing a bat in vr how do you hit a ball in vr and stuff 
And I was like, okay, let me have my wife just test this out for me because I'm trying to fix some bugs in it. And she just kept hitting it and hitting it and hitting it. And I was like, all right, I'm done. And then she's like, why did you stop playing it? I'm, I'm still hitting the ball. And I was like, what the hell? <laughs> like, what do you mean? Like, just like, turn it back on. I was still doing that. I was like, uh, okay. So suddenly it was the first time that I'd ever built something that my wife actually liked to play. Because my wife does not like video games. As much as I'm a giant video game nerd, my wife is, she likes Super Mario Brothers. And that's about it. So this is the first one that she'd ever like, liked. And I just... Yeah, it blew me away. So I ended up building it into a game and it ended up being a five release title, which was great. It was like one of the first games out on release day. Oh, nice. A, a huge hit. It was giant success. I, I really loved it. And then it, it was a blast. <laughs> I did get an MLB takedown though, because one important thing to note, if you're going to buy art online, make sure that it's not from a site that's not selling it with a legal license. Because apparently right. the, the Russian site that I bought it from, didn't realize it was in Russia, was uh, <laughs> not legally licensed to sell the stadium. So MLB sent me a takedown and I had to, had to emergency swap that out real quick where they were going to take my game down. That, oh, that, wow. was a, that was a rough one. But I mean, as far as problems go, it wasn't a bad one to have. I was like, oh, right. Oh, oh, that's a surprise. Better go fix that quick. At least nothing else. (laughs) And as for students, I mean, they build all kinds of things. They've been building just recently in the, we had a course running right now. And my students have been showing me all kinds of cool things that they've been putting together for these. The current course right now is on building 2D platformers and from scratch with no experience. And the types of things that I see come together are so wildly different from the types of things that I'll present. Like I'll present, hey, here's how to make a mechanic kind of like Super Mario Brothers. Like, hey, here mm-hmm. we go over here. We'll jump. And like, then they'll submit the thing that they've put together. And it's like this crazy giant puzzle game using these mechanics in totally different ways and just mixing things up. And I, I get just blown away when I see that stuff. Outside of that, though, I mean, I see, I get emails constantly from people who've just gone through courses or just started to get into game development and, you know, watch some free tutorials, watch some stuff on YouTube. And they got into game development, got a job. I'm just reading a comment this morning. And those always make me happy. I could get up and I look at my YouTube comments and they're like, Hey, thanks for this. I, I went through this tutorial and you know, now I got a job. Uh, my first oh, nice. mobile game dev job. I saw one of those literally this morning. I was like, oh, awesome. So I know like most people like, hate reading YouTube comments. My wife always says like, I don't know how people read YouTube comments. They're terrible. Like every time I read them, there's, Oh, it's mostly just nice people or people who disagree on a little technical thing and have a, a suggestion. <laughs> like, yeah, so I, I really like the, the game dev and I think programming community, though, is, is really cool like that. Great. Very cool. So if somebody wants to take one of your courses, where do they find them? I know you just released one. So yeah, it's just up. I think they can get to it through DevChat TV, right? What's do you have the link? Yeah, devchat.tv slash game dev. That's it. Yeah, just go right there and it'll take you right through. It'll give you the the beginner stuff first, the the totally free tutorials. You can check that out, see mm-hmm. what it's like, what that process is like, get it installed and see if it's something you're interested in. And then the course info is down there if it's something that you want to dive into and just get deeper into Unity and kind of go through a um, kind of a more kind of college level course where you're going to learn all the types of things that you would learn in like mm-hmm. college class on game development and programming. And this one's really focused on programming. It's a lot on the the programming side and how to get that into game development, how to use your codes or earn, learn the code skills and then use them in a game development environment. Right. So you just walk people through the whole process and yeah, I, through, I guess test them a bit, make sure yeah. that they're actually learning the things and you know, make sure that they're yeah. they're getting the concepts and stuff. And then some of the some of the lessons too are just kind of based off of 
student requests and recommendations. So as students kind of mm-hmm. request things or have ideas for things, they're like, hey, how would I do this? Then those things get kind of built into the lessons. And same with the beginner the tutorial video that's up there on YouTube on that page. The one that you're linking, it's got another section for people to submit requests for extensions to that video. So I'm going to keep putting on just more add-ons of different types of things that people want to see on how, how would you implement this in there. So if they have requests for them, they can just go submit them there as well. Yeah, that makes sense. What if somebody gets stuck? I mean, is there a community or support or things like that? They've got a Discord channel and a Facebook channel or Facebook group that's really, really active. The Unity3D.college Facebook group is the one. Uh, the Discord channel is, or Discord chat's pretty active too. I'm not super active in there just because I get so many messages. I also just get a lot of emails and I just try to reply to everybody by email if they have a question as soon as I can. Outside of that, though, there are a ton of other game development communities, too. The Brackies community was giant. They just kind of retired from doing YouTube videos. They have a huge game development Discord channel. And there are quite a few others. I could probably get you a big list, though, of just all of them. If you go search for Unity 3D on YouTube, you're going to start to see all of the different personalities and people out there talking about (laughs) it. Almost everybody has a Discord server and some sort of a community set up. Probably be cool if there was like one big giant one put together, but... There are just a a ton of them out there. Also, um, one place that I recommend to for just game development stuff, just want to see random things about Unity and um, ask questions about it and see what's new is uh, there subreddits for it. I know Reddit can be overwhelming and distracting with tons of other stuff. But if you look at the Unity 3D subreddit, and even if you're more specifically into 2D, there's a Unity 2D subreddit that's just Unity 2D related things. And they're very well moderated and they're just you know, content and things about mm-hmm. game development. It's either people asking questions and usually getting a, a relatively good answer or people sharing and posting tutorials or new information, new things that are coming out, blog posts, all kinds of cool stuff. So it's one of the places that I look regularly. Right. So it sounds like if I start going through your tutorials and I have a question or I get stuck on something, then yeah, I can join the Facebook group or the Discord channel or just email you and I will probably get an answer. And then if that, you know, failing that, then there are plenty of other places on the internet that I can get yeah, clarification. Yeah, I think that in general, it's pretty easy to find. I mean, if, if you're out there, you just look, that you'll find an answer to the things mm-hmm. that you need. And most of the time, most of the questions and problems that you'll have or run across as long as you put Unity 3D, just put mm-hmm. 3D all as one word in your in your Google search, you're, you're probably going to find the right answer. Just make sure that you include that and it'll filter down. And there's so much info out there, you'll probably find it. But if not, yeah, the groups, there, there are also quite a few other Facebook groups out there. There are a couple with like, you know, 50, 100,000 people in them. So just start searching for those on Facebook too. But right. also emails and yeah, you'll, you'll get an answer somewhere. It's not very hard to find answers to game dev questions in my experience, unless they're super advanced. The really, really complex ones where only, you know, 100 people know the answer to, those can get harder. But most of the stuff, especially getting started, you'll find answers everywhere. And a lot of people that are willing to help. Awesome. Sounds good. Well, I'm I'm definitely looking forward to diving into some of this. And yeah, we'll just shoot people over to devchat.tv slash game dev. I'll set it up so that you can do game dev with or without a dash in it. And yeah, go go check that out. Sweet. Thanks again for having me, man. Appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. Thank you for coming.